0: Welcome to the Coach Growth Podcast, where we hope to provide value and learning to not only young and new coaches, but all coaches who want to continue to grow. I am your host, Coach Andrew McGecky. If you get something out of today's episode, please leave a rating and a review, and don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes. Lastly, follow me on Twitter, at Coach McGecky, that's M-C-G-H-G-H-Y, and don't be afraid to reach out with any coaches or topics you want to hear me talk about. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Coach Growth Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Coach Andrew McGacky. It's been quite some time since my last episode, and for that I apologize. My laptop really crapped out on me, and it sent me back for quite a while. But, new laptop, and I got a new and improved mic while I was at it, so we have to have a better setup. So, I'm looking forward to uh, producing some quality content again. I have three episodes um, scheduled to drop over the next two weeks, including this one. And then I've got some um, guests that I'm working on scheduling interviews with moving forward. So excited for the future, excited to put out content again uh, and get back into the swing of things. I hope everyone's had an amazing summer so far. I know I really have. Really looking forward to attending my first TFC conference. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it stands for Track and Football Consortium. I'm going to the one in Ankeny uh, High School just outside of Des Moines. I'm really excited. There's some amazing guests lined up actually rooming with former guest Tyler Rathke. So I'm really looking forward to meeting him in person and uh, just networking and learning and growing as a coach, you know, what we're all about here. There's a good chance that my microphone will just happen to find its way in my bag and perhaps an impromptu interview will follow. Stay tuned. You never know what's going to happen. Today's guest is Peter Noonan. Coach Noonan coaches defensive tackles for Hendrickson High School in Pflugerville, Texas. He also works as a strength coach and coaches throwers for the track program Make sure after you finish this episode to go on over and check out Coach Noonan's podcast, uh, HWCN, Hanging with Coach Noonan, and join in on his Twitter discussions, Hashtag Iron Chat, which takes place at 7 on Sundays, uh, which I also uh, partake in uh, every week as much as I can. And then he also has the Disruption Chat on Tuesdays for defensive line coaches. Enjoy. Also, I do want to apologize, guys. This episode was recorded through my laptop in which I could not find my microphone adapter cord. So, unfortunately, the microphone used for this interview was just my laptop microphone, which is obviously not the highest of quality. So, I do apologize. I talk as little as I can in this interview, so it's mostly Coach Noonan who sounds amazing. So, again, I apologize. Please bear with me, and moving forward, this won't be an issue.
1: Welcome back, everybody. I'm joined by Coach Peter Noonan, defensive tackle coach, at Hendrickson High School in Pflugerville Did I say that right? Yep. Yep, uh Texas. Just defensive
2: tackles, or do you do the entire defensive line? Uh, so I'm I'm the defensive tackles coach. We have a defensive ends coach. We're uh, mo- mostly a four-two-five, four-three, right now in spring. We spend a little bit more time in all, in our three-down. Uh, so I've mostly just coached our our nose guard, but uh, you know we, we still coach him the same as as we would as if he was just a tackle. So you know we can slide to a four-down front, and you know now. My biggest deal is, and I think I got this from Jeremy Pruitt, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, your alignment doesn't change your assignment. So whether you're a three technique or a, a nose shade or a two eye or whatever, you know, whatever the call is, your job is depending on where you line up. You just follow these rules of, uh, of engagement per se. You know, if we call this blitz, you know, if you're a, if you're a plus two to the strong side, well, I don't care if you're a backside five, you're still plus two strong. Uh, if you're, if you're a front side three, you're plus two strong. We're, we're getting there. It's been a, it's been a long and interesting spring with a lot of young guys.
1: Coach, let's, let's take a step back. Uh, how did you get into coaching? Why did, what made you want to get into coaching? That kind of thing. How did that start? And then, you know, how did you end up in Hendrickson, Texas today? Cause I know you've had some other coaching stops along the way.
2: Yeah. So growing up in Houston, Texas, I Went to Bel Air High School, and I was very fortunate to be coached by a former uh, NFL All Pro. Uh, his name is John Henry Mills. Those those old Oiler fans and Viking fans would know him as Skills Mills, and as well as uh, some other amazing uh, men. And so, well, I went to uh, went to Florida State. Um, my my aunt. Uh, lived in Fort Lauder, uh, lived in Fort Lauderdale for the longest. Uh, she moved to uh, Pennsylvania uh, not too long ago. but uh, during my, my childhood and adolescence, she was living in Fort Lauderdale and she would always send us um, you know, Christmas gifts or whatever. And a lot of that stuff contained Florida state stuff. And, you know, growing up in the nineties, you see him on TV, Charlie Ward, Ward Dunn, Derek Brooks, you know, Bobby Bowen. And that, that was just the deal. And I was just, for whatever reason, I was just drawn and attracted to it. And that was always my number one school of choice. Uh, the majority of my family went to the university of Houston. Um, my aunts, uncles, you know, I, I went to a couple different summer camps for various uh, things at the university of Houston. So I was pretty familiar with it. Uh that you know that was the fallback, but you know Florida State was the one that I wanted to go to and I ended up going to Florida State and initially my thought was I wanted to be the next Drew Rosenhouse, right? He was big on ESPN, he had all the top guys, the TO, big name guys. So I was like, okay, I think the next the, the, you know the best thing for me post college is go to law school. So I uh attempted to take the LSAT twice. It was the hardest test I've taken to date. So I did not do very well. Uh, I didn't study very well. I can look back and say that honestly, now I was working about 40 hours a week, my last my last year in college. And, um, you know, just between studying, working, trying to finish my degree and uh, just also have, have a social life, um, you know, priorities shift and whatnot, and uh, didn't pass it, moved back to Houston, had no idea what I wanted to do or what I was going to do because that plan A completely bombed. Uh, and I had no plan B, Luckily, Coach Mills was still at Bel Air, and so I approached him and said, hey, man, I I really don't know what I want to do, you know, but I'd love to be involved with the program. Um, Wherever I'm at, I'm 100% in as if I was always at that school for the life of me. So uh, it doesn't matter if I'm in 3A South Texas or, you know, 5A um, DFW Metroplex School. I, I'm, I'm exactly where my feet are, uh, hundred percent bought in. So, you know, with Bel Air being my alma mater, obviously a hundred percent bought in. I, I was part of the first class to go back to back in the playoffs in, um, 30 plus years. Uh, so that was, that was a big deal. Um, and he said, okay, well, let me talk to the head coach. Head coach at the time was Trey Herman. And, uh, he said, I can, uh, I can give you this video gig, you know, kind of like Eric Spolstra breaking into the NBA. I was the video guy. Uh, we, we named it some nice fancy title or whatever, but uh, end of the day, all I did was, uh, was film practice, manage the kids that filmed upload game film, you know, puts the, at that time it was pre what huddle is right now. Uh, we used DSV and it was just breaking down film and putting in the different databases, way more labor intensive than what it is now. And so uh, was able to uh, get on there, became a, a substitute teacher, worked towards getting an alternative certification. So, you know, in the state of Texas, um, you don't have to be uh, a degreed. Uh, let me rephrase. You don't have to have gone to undergrad trying to get a teaching degree. You know, you can get a degree in whatever, uh, but then you you can take an alternative certification program uh, that's about, you know, 18 months or so to start to finish, plus your first year probation, as long as you pass a content test. Why well, I, I had a minor in, I have a minor in Spanish, so my entry into that was uh, through teaching Spanish. That was actually the thing that really opened a lot of doors for me uh, was the fact that I taught Spanish. Um, I eventually gained some extra certifications like special education and ESL. um, And, you know, of course, every coach gets their PE health certification hoping to land that sweet gig. But, you know, those are few and far between. Um, But, you know, that, that led me to getting a full fledged uh, teaching position at Crandall, Texas outside of Dallas and um, also my first head coaching gig as a boys soccer coach and uh, I had no idea you know we, we played intramural soccer in college I, I sort of uh, followed professional soccer and the European side of course everybody watches for the Olympics and the World Cup um, and then you know we played FIFA in the dorm but that, that was that was the extent but you know like I said I, I'm 100% it bought in wherever I'm at and so I I did my best to invest in, in terms of growth and knowledge. Um, luckily, the girls coach was actually a very intelligent and savvy coach. Um, Josh Smith was able to really give me some, some great tips and pointers and uh, help me along my, my path. Um, and then I was able to move from there to a new school and uh, start a soccer program, um, both myself and the girls. Coach, uh, we were able to start a soccer program. So I I got experience starting a program, experience rebuilding a program. And then I was able to go to uh, West Mesquite High School, where I learned how to take over a very successful program, uh, but that had had a little bit of struggle in in their time. Uh, When I was at Crandall, we played West Mesquite, and I just remember them being just phenomenal. They had just stud kids, great kids a uh, great coach who's now the assistant AD in Mesquite. Coach Alex it was was very kind to me to uh, help me in terms of growth after uh, giving us a nice butt whooping. Uh, but he did so with with a lot of good sportsmanship. He did so tastefully. He was not a run it up kind of guy or anything like that. It was great to to still be able to pick his brain. So at West Mesquite, uh, I was the head coach for one year. Then I stepped back as I was working on my master's degree, actually became the assistant coach, uh, for boys. And, uh, the guy that I wanted to get the head job, he was the girl's assistant. And, uh, I helped, you know, lobby to get him as the head boys. And I think it was a great move. You know, he was the first guy I, I would say that I've ever co-signed in my career for any position, um, and I'm so thankful that I did because, uh, because of who he is as a person, how I learned from him. He's younger than me, but he knows the game and he knows how to relate with kids. And he's a great classroom teacher. So I was able to learn a lot from him, was able to connect with other people throughout my years in the DFW. Uh, and that led me down to Kingsville, South Texas, south of Corpus, but technically above the Valley area. So it's like right in the middle along the coastal bend. And I was the defensive coordinator, head powerlifting, assistant track. And the this was my first strength conditioning coordinator gig. Um, everywhere else, uh, I was always in charge of my, I, as the head coach, I was in charge of the lifting for that sport. Um, there were other people wherever I was at that were in charge from the football side of things. But, uh, you know, I, I was trying to uh, uh, take what I knew, learned from football, apply it to other sports and kind of a lot of trial and error. And so down in Kingsville, you know, this is my, this is my deal. I, I I'm programming for all the sports. So we had, uh, everything from golf and tennis to football, basketball, soft, uh, soccer, volleyball, uh, softball, baseball, you know, men's, men's and women's and all, and all very successful um, in their own rights. So that, that was a great two and a half years down there. And unfortunately, small town politics kind of led to uh, an, an unfortunate departure for both the, the head coach that brought me down, Ivory Dillard, and you know, myself because I was loyal to him for bringing me down. And I just felt that was the right thing to do. Uh, I love those kids down there. They're some of the best kids I've ever worked with, uh, just in terms of personality and buy-in. And so I I, 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 like I said earlier, um, my wife's had a, a friend in, in Pflugerville area for 10 plus years. And she, uh, she said, Hey, uh, Peter's going to apply for this, this deal at, at Hendrickson. And she goes, Oh my God, you know, we're going to have this opening at, uh, at the school that I'm at. And, uh, my wife goes, okay. So we both technically interviewed on the same day. She got the job offer before I even got my offer um so that kind of that kind of sealed the deal um and uh you know I was able to come up to Hendrickson, get back to a, a a big 5A program you know really working with some some very uh highly skilled athletes it's been a great year we had a very through covid we were able to navigate and uh and be relatively healthy and uh, we we were able to make the playoffs and uh go to two rounds you know and and like we were talking about early on, uh, we're just finishing up our spring. We've done everything in the athletic period. So no padded practice after school or before school, uh, all our install. Uh, but we're we're going to be young. But you know what? It's, it's a lot of growth. And it's been a really great opportunity for me as a coach to learn how to coach different kids and differentiate the things that I've been teaching already and take the time to Consistently reevaluate. I have a little bit more input in the uh, in the strength side of things for football, and so uh, I've been able to take the knowledge that I've acquired over the last calendar year from March of 2020 and really start applying it in the weight room, whether it's the coaching cues or just from a programming standpoint. So I appreciate my head coach for for allowing me to do that. Um, the other thing is I'm the assistant, I'm an assistant track coach and I coach uh, both boys and girls throwers. And, uh, I get to, I get to kind of do my own thing with them. Uh, you know, typically as a throwers coach, you're left to your own devices and they say, just, you know, make, get them to throw, make sure they're eligible. And, you know, here's, we'll get on the bus on this day, throwings at this time. And then you're going to, you know, you'll help curve judge or pick timer or whatever, uh, you know, afterwards. Cause, you know, once the throwing events are done, you're you're pretty much done. Um, at least for us, because we're we have such a big staff as a big high school. But I I've been able to uh, to work with uh, my throwers, particularly junior going on senior class of twenty twenty two. She's she's bought into the weight room all year. Um, she actually maxed out today at two hundred and fifty pounds in back squat. You know, full depth. And I don't I think the last time she had actually back squatted prior to this season was uh i think she said eighth eighth or eighth grade or freshman year um so she really hadn't done anything uh, but she bought into the to the workouts she was coming consistently uh even during her ap testing weeks and uh you know to see her squat that and be proud of herself and uh almost actually get 275 today i don't know why she didn't finish the lift but uh you know it's all right. I'm I'm very proud of her for that, and look forward to continuing to work with her, and um, just appreciate her buy-in and the parents uh, for trusting me and the rest of the coaching staff for trusting me to to work with her. And you know she's got a she's got a private coach, but I ask her all the time. You know what what are you doing over there? You know are you you throwing a lot over there? Yes. Okay. Well, you know let's back off. Let's focus on mobility, and, and those are all things that I've learned. Over the course of a year, and like I said, with, with going to Hendrickson and having to learn how to coach different kinds of kids uh, in a given day, it's helped me to kind of check that ego and say, you know what, all of her success is not it's not all on me. You know, she's got a private coach, or these kids have private trainers, but I'm a small I'm a small piece of the puzzle and I'm, I'm happy to play the best role that I can for their development and growth. So I know that's a very long-winded answer. I hope I got gave you what you wanted out of that.
1: Absolutely. I love long-winded answers. It means I talk less and that's always better <laughs> for the show. A uh, lot to, to touch on there. Uh, one question that uh, come to mind, uh, just out of curiosity, when is the soccer season in Texas? Like where in the calendar year, where does soccer
2: fall? So soccer typically starts tryouts are the week after Thanksgiving. Unfortunately, in the six years that I was a soccer coach, I never had to worry about managing tryouts and coaching football. So in Texas, that would be round, typically in a normal year, that's round three of the the state playoffs. That's not something that I have yet to achieve. It's on my to-do list as a coach. Uh, I never, we never got there as a, as a player. Um, Actually, as a player, I've never been out of the first round. As a coach, I've been fortunate to get to round two several times, but I haven't gotten to round three yet. So that's on the to-do list uh, as well as trying to get to the state championship. But, but yeah, so it runs, you know, basically the beginning of November – or, sorry, the beginning of December all the way through middle of March. That's about where – actually, if you make the playoffs – you're pushing through March, beginning of April. Uh, If you don't make playoffs, you're pretty much done middle, middle of March, right after those spring break weeks.
1: See, here in Illinois, you know, because it's not sunny and warm in December, Men's soccer and football coincide at the same time. When you said that, you know, as a football, yeah, you know, I know you as a football coach. That kind of threw me through a loop there.
2: Yeah, man. You know, we you everywhere I've been, I've never just been a one sport coach. You always got to coach multiple. The stint down in in South Texas was where I was coaching three plus sports. Sometimes I was, you know, the the fourth sport uh, because I would I I was one of the few on. We didn't have very many on staff and. Uh, only so many of us had our CDLs. you know in Texas, most coaches have to have a CDL and drive a bus. Sometimes I'd be driving the golf team, boys or girls, to their tournaments and then i'm I'm there the whole day. Uh, and so I'm riding around in a golf cart. just really just being a cheerleader, you know, I, I don't I can swing a golf club. It's not great. so I don't profess to be a golf coach but I'm a great golf cheerleader and an encourager. So that's one of those things. I, I know my role and I stay in my lane with that.
1: I respect that. I, I have yet to graduate from a putt-putt course. I can't swing a <laughs> club to save my life.
2: I'll take a date to
1: a driving range if I want to make them laugh, but that's about it. I can't. I've never been to a full golf course, so I, I can't fault you for that.
2: Let me ask, but, do you guys have a top golf up in Illinois?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've never been, but yeah, we've got, there's some up, up by Chicago up in the Burbs. But uh, I love what you said about, so I'm also a throws coach, but I'm also the head coach. So um, we'll go to track meets and, you know, whenever, let me, you know, let me start. So I'm always up for throws because I coach my throwers, obviously, but I also coach the girl throwers. But as soon as those are done, all right, I'm getting my floor bait warmed up. I'm timing, I'm checking, you know, exchanges and all that stuff. And then I'm, but I'll see these, these assistant coaches that are the throws guys from these other schools. They're sitting there with snacks and just in a chair. Sometimes they're already gone. So full-time throws coach is a pretty nice gig you know, facility-wise, you're usually away from everybody, and you kind oh, of, yeah. like, you get to go do your own thing, so.
2: Yeah, it, I, it is, it is nice, Um and, and, you know, I I would love to just be able to peace out after throws, but at the same time, I enjoy being around the kids, and, and you know, a lot of our boys uh play football, and so it's just, it's just more time to bond with them, build those relationships, and and see them succeed as well. Their success is equally as important to me as any of my throwers uh, or any of my position players. um, Because, you know, the, the great thing about football is it's a, it's a true team sport. It takes all 11. And uh, you know, we watched film this morning after our our morning lift and uh, there was a lot of plays where we, you know, as, as one of my former DCs would say, uh, we're playing with nine on this play because two people decided to not do their job. So it's, and there was a glaring, hole or two uh, because of those two not doing their job. And so that's, you know, that is the beauty of football. And so it is very important that you establish those relationships, not only with your position players, but, but the rest of the guys too.
1: Absolutely. And the neat, the neat thing about track compared to football, like and especially in, in a competition setting, obviously it's a lot more relaxed and you can kind of float around and, and mingle and, and really uh, appreciate the performances of you know other events. That's something that when I took over as head coach, I was really, different for me because it's the, the two years prior to that, I'd only coached throws. And so I got to really watch like a high jumper for the first time and triple jump and, and pull the four by one and, and the 800 and actually have to honestly, like care about the performances of those events. And so it, it was, it's fun to, you know, be able to, after the throws are done just to go watch other events as a spectator um, and as a coach and just take, you know, take in those performances. But those always hold a, will always hold a near and dear place in my heart. Tyler Rasky, a former guest of mine, we kind of talked about that when I interviewed him about how we're throw guys, but then like, we're, you know, we're head coaches. So like, we're kind of, it's everything. And, you know, same thing, you know, with, with football, you're a D line coach, but you're also a football coach, you know, and you can, you gotta take, you, you gotta watch your group, but then you also have to have a wide, wide eyed lens and just oh. appreciate football.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. You know, what it is? We, No doubt. You know, we, we, uh, for me you know, i try to get my my guys particularly my tackles to not just tunnel vision on what their jobs are but understand how does their job fit with the other two defensive ends whether we're in, in our three down or four down how do you fit with the linebackers you know and and create that puzzle you know and then for me i, I want to know how it fits front to back back to front um I don't necessarily concern my defensive line with the back end, you know, because then now they're thinking too much. We don't want those guys thinking too much. Um, we want them, well, um, understanding playing fast. But but you know, you need to understand how you fit the 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 piece of your you know your puzzle piece fits into the big picture. And um, you know, same as me as a coach, how do I fit into the big picture and all the different roles that I have?
1: The so the, can you just real briefly touch on like the school you're at. Uh, what's the demographic like uh, enrollment? And then, you know, like how, how large are the teams that you,
2: you work with? So we are a, a big five, a high school. And so in the state of Texas, it goes one, a is the lowest all the way to six. A. Um, I don't know the exact cutoff number from this past realignment. Um, so in Texas, our governing body, the UIL uh, realigns, all the schools based on enrollment population uh, every two years. So uh, we just finished year one of this current realignment. So this time next year, we will either be moving uh, back up or staying the same. I don't think we'll move down. Uh, I want to say on a, norm, on a normal year, you know, it's about 2,000 kids. So, you know, our, our football program on a good year is, uh, is, you know, probably close to 150. You know, in, in years past prior to me getting here, uh, we've been able to have two freshman teams, two JVs, and a varsity with at least 60, 60 to 70 guys on it. And so you're, you're two different um, sub-varsities each, at each level, the JV and the freshman are anywhere from 20 to 30 kids. Whatever that math adds up to, uh, I'm, I'm terrible with math. So if it doesn't involve plates and uh, and a barbell, I'm I'm tapping out. But uh, you know, it, it's it's anywhere from for probably 150 to 200 kids on on a good year. Uh, we were a little bit low this year, uh, numbers wise, but I think a lot of people were uh, just because of COVID. But uh, most everybody we play in district play is about the same uh, you know, give or take, you know, a couple hundred, uh, in terms of total enrollment. So you're, you're, you're looking at another 20, 30 kids, uh, depending on the school and the location. Uh, we do play, or we did play scrimmaged one and then played two other teams that, uh, were under uh, at the six, a classification. So they're, they're, you know, another hundred plus kids possibly above us. Um, and we actually, uh, the one scrimmage we did well, uh, and then the two games that we played, uh, we won both of those games um, against 6A opponents. So, so that was early in the season, and, and we we did, were we're still kind of finding our identity both offensively and defensively. But uh, you know, we, we were able to win those games, and, they, and those are quality opponents. Uh, no no slouch opponents uh, at all. Um, and they'll be on the they'll both be on the schedule again, so it'll be an interesting. Deal, we all also play one more um, 6A uh, school, um, Cibolo Steel. So, in Texas, Cibolo Steel is just outside of San Antonio, and they're a perennial powerhouse. So, that's going to be a very big test week one of the season. Uh, So, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Those guys will have a varsity, two JVs and two freshmen, possibly a third – extra sub varsity, maybe depending on the year, but yeah, it, it it ranges. Uh, Most everybody around us is a five a or six a high school. You got to go a little bit either further South, further West or further East or further North to find four A's and smaller. Um, But they exist in central Texas as well. Um, So, you know, even in the big Metroplexes, you've got anywhere from a three a all the way to a six a just depending on where you are. Uh, And like I said, the, the enrollment numbers, uh, every every year every two years at each school um, and then when you're consistently opening new high schools in certain districts that definitely pulls numbers uh, this way and that
1: just to kind of put it in perspective for you and for anybody listening so I, I you know here in macomb you know, in west central Illinois where I coach we are typically a three we've been a 4a school in the class in Illinois we go up to eight classes so my enrollment or I'm sorry my school's enrollment is, as a 3A program, like mid to low fives, and we had less than forty kids on our football team last year. So, in, so I'm the head JV coach, and our last game, I got on the bus to go to the game with fifteen kids, fourteen kids. <laughs> so to hear you talk about having over a hundred kids and two freshmen, the two JV, and you know, two thousand kids. My hometown was barely over two thousand people. So it's just, it, it's so hard for me to wrap my head around these, you know, when I talk to coaches from large areas, like, like yourself, but just, I I can't fathom it. I just can't, it's like trying to tell a fish how to breathe. Like I just can't understand what you're talking about. It blows my mind.
2: And, and I would, I would kind of be, you know, in your same, I, I would be in my, my position. similarly, if I were you in the sense of like, I wouldn't understand what it is to be that, that small, but, uh, thankfully I have coached at schools with similar enrollment and, uh, I've I've been at games where uh, we've had to finish uh, a game with you know about 15 people because we just looked like the Walking Dead, the MASH unit on uh, on the sidelines. Now I always say, uh, our we had one JV this year and we had two freshmen. We had a big freshman class. So we had two freshmen and one JV, and our JV at one point was pretty thin. Uh, I believe at one point we were under. By the time we finished the game, I think we were 20 or less kids um, for various injuries, grade checks, and things of that nature. Um, you know, and like I say, with COVID, it, it was you, – you just didn't know – you didn't know at any moment uh, on – you know, that we had we had two freshmen get put in quarantine from, from class because we were on a – we were a hybrid model this year, so kids had the choice to be either virtual, you know, and log in via Zoom or be in person – uh, and they could change that every every grading cycle, so every nine weeks. Yeah, kids got contact traced, and the day of their freshman, the day the game day, the day they're they're lined up to walk in and you know do the screen in post after school. Hey, they they got pulled out and said, hey, you're you're quarantined because of contact tracing in your class, and they couldn't play. And literally, they had just come back from quarantine, man. So it it was rough for some of these kids. They they played maybe two games not because they were failing, but because of, of, you know, contact tracing and, and the policies in which they were. So it was an interesting year that I think all of us learned a lot about ourselves as coaches, um, because you, you had no idea who you were going to have guaranteed. There was just no way.
1: No, absolutely. We lost like you were saying, we had kids that had the quarantine the day of games and uh... that completely changes your depth chart, you know, in, in a program like and whatnot, we're in when our numbers are so small that not only it's like, yeah, it's next man up, but that next man up might be the starter at another spot. And yeah. I mean, especially, particularly defensively, you have to do some serious reshuffling and you know, really just coaching on the fly. You know, It I, I'd like to think that we're all better coaches after getting through this. Oh, no doubt. One of the things that you said early on that really struck with me when you said it was, Um, something that I've really learned uh, to appreciate over the last couple of years and, you know, being where your feet are. And I've, you know, I've heard other coaches say that um, in the past, when I first started coaching, my whole thing was, all right, how am I going to climb this ladder and how am I going to get to this next job and this better job? And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to say that I've been coaching at the same school as long as I've been coaching going on eight years now that I've been coaching um, track and football here. And the more I think about it, the the I, I really appreciate just being grounded in one spot. I'm not saying that I don't look forward to other opportunities over the horizon if they do uh, happen to present themselves. But I've really just grown to appreciate of just you know focusing on where I'm at and growing at where I'm at and building a program, like you were saying. And I think a lot of coaches, especially young coaches, they just want to climb the ladder. And if where the next rung at another school, then so you know so be. And and that's you know.
2: That's happened a lot
1: here in my area. Coaches will take this job, but they're just waiting for the, the, this town's head coaching position to open up the year after. And they don't care about the school they're at and that kind of thing. And I just think coaches need to just coaching, you know, coaching jobs come and go. And I don't think they should be taken for granted. And I think you should just really appreciate and just dive ahead first in whatever job you're at. And from the day you're hired until you're, you either leave or let go, you should own that school deserves your utmost attention. And those kids deserve your
2: utmost attention.
1: And so I, I, I appreciate hearing you say that from a guy that, you know, that's had a couple stops, but you know, you took every stop just as seriously.
2: Um, Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and, and it's, it's interesting that you bring that up. I, uh, I had I interviewed someone, and I won't reveal who this person is because uh, funny story is, as you understand, as a podcast host, right? You got to make sure you push record. And I don't know how many times you've accidentally forgotten to push record uh, initially. So I interviewed this person uh, a couple of months ago, and we had an hour long, great conversation. And I completely forgot to push record, and I didn't realize it until the very end. And unfortunately they had a prior engagement. So we couldn't go back at that time. Um, I will have this person on again. I've been looking forward to this for a long time, but they said, you got to understand that you're going to be fired or, you know, something, something's just going to happen out of your control. So yes, that that's fine. If you want to keep your eye on, on something ahead in the future and, and still work towards, you know, achieving whatever goals you have for you. But at the same time, it's like you just said, wherever you're at, they deserve your utmost attention. Uh, whether you get along with, with administration or head coach or whatever, at least for us, these kids still need you to give them your attention because we may be the only ones giving them any kind of attention, whether it's positive uh, reinforcement or it's redirection or it's constructive criticism. We, we might be the only ones in their lives doing that. And, and, you know, unfortunately there are times where you and the those kids don't see eye to eye, but as long as they understand that you care, then they're going to, then they're going to care about how much, you know, right. Nick Saban always says, you know, kids not going, kids not going to care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And so, you know, whether, whether, you know, you're going to be at a place for a short time or a long time, as long as you're there, those kids need to know, that you care about them, and that you're you, when you show up to work, they're getting a hundred percent of you, whatever that hundred percent is that day. Right? We all have personal issues and and things go on outside of the day to day life, or you just had a bad day in the schoolhouse, and and you gotta you gotta change direction, pivot, and it could have been with 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 a football player or a track athlete in in your class or in a neighboring class, and now you got to go see that kid on the field or on, or at the track or or in the ring. Or in the weight room and you got to figure out how do you want to handle that situation? I think sometimes people, we, we joke as teachers and coaches is this the day I get fired. Cause I just go off on somebody, you know, but we're all human, but ultimately in the, the day, this, this job has way more intangible rewards uh, than, than negative stuff. And uh, you know, I think as long as you're showing up every day and you're, you're giving that hundred percent where you're at and just let, just let whatever happens happens, you know, for me, uh, I've been doing this now. This is the end of my 12th year and I, I'm at a crossroads in my career where I, I'm not so concerned about what my title is as much as I'm concerned with, am I just, am I becoming a better coach day to day because I'm just becoming a better person, you know, and, and uh, Cody Hughes's podcast uh, episode with um, Coach Sko, Gary, Gary uh, Schofield. Schofield. God, I can't yeah. believe I, I forgot. I blanked. Sorry, Coach Sco, I'm really sorry. uh but uh but the two of them and if you haven't if, if anybody hasn't listened to that I don't care what how many years you've been coaching or what your position is or even if you're just not a coach but just a human being in general you need to go listen to that episode because it is truly profound and I say that because I sent that episode to a buddy of mine who I, I've looked to as a coaching mentor and he's out of coaching right now. What I heard in that episode, I, there was a specific part that applied to him in that moment in time. And I sent it to him and I said, you got to listen to this. When you hear, when you hear it, you'll understand why I sent you this. And he goes, Holy smokes, man. Thank you so much. This, this is exactly what I needed to hear to make whatever decision I needed to make at that in this point in time of my life. And, you know, if we're, if we're striving to be better people, we're going to end up being better coaches. And ultimately that that's, that's it. The, the wins are never going to be enough. Um, you're probably going to lose more than you're going to win. But if we can make sure that this next generation is coached the way that we would want to be coached, then, then we're doing the right thing. And, and that's, that's the biggest reason as to why I got into coaching. If it wasn't for coach Mills, I, I don't know if I would be coaching. And if it wasn't for him and the way that he coached me, I don't know if I would be the, the coach that I am today. Uh, I, I owe a lot to him. I owe a lot to several other of my high school coaches uh, and the relationships that I still have with them today. You know, that's one of the things that I, I truly cherish is more than anything is the relationships that I forge with these kids that I can still talk to today from the beginning of my career Back in 2009, 2010, and I can see, you know, and to see where they're at in their life, and some of them have been to the military and gone overseas and fought and 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 uh, bled for us, and and the freedoms that we have to becoming fathers and husbands, and you know, some are talking about getting into teaching, you know, as crazy as that is, and, and people tell you, you know, they always ask you why. It's at the end of the day, there's just far more intrinsic. And, and intangible rewards to this profession that outnumber a lot of the negative stuff. Not to say that Hendrickson is perfect, but it's it's one of the best ones that I've been at and I'm truly thankful for the administration that we have. Our principal is a former coach and he gets it. He's been the best principal I've, I've had the opportunity to work for next to the to the high school principal that was still the principal when I graduated college uh, that when I, that I was when I was in high school who who at a 5A. So when I was in high school, we were 5A. I was the top. 6A hadn't opened. They hadn't opened that 6A classification yet, but um, he he knew things about kids at a 5A high school with 3,000 kids. He knew kids personally uh, and not just the troublemakers. And for him to remember who I was from when I was in high school, thankfully I wasn't a troublemaker um, and, and have that have that recognition of who I was when I came back to work. And, and, you know, and so that just, those things leave a profound impact on you. And so that's, that's my biggest motivation in terms of coaching and teaching is just ensuring that I'm giving back, but that I'm also trying to become a better person and grow through, through the ups and downs. That's
1: impressive. I mean, I have hard time remembering some of the kids on my team's name after the first couple of weeks talking about knowing the names of in a situation like that. That's, that's impressive. Transitioning. Um, a little bit to how I discovered you as a coach you know, um, on Twitter, you have two chat the iron speed chat on Sundays and then the disruption chat on Tuesdays. Can you talk about, you know, what those are and how and why those started?
2: So uh, I discovered Twitter chats through the hog football chat with Tony Schiffman and, and um, Jack Dingus, right? So Monday nights, offensive line, There's an hour long discussion uh, of just offensive line play. And then on Tuesday nights, Adam Harvey was running the no fly zone chat. Um, so that was an hour long defensive backs conversation. And then on Wednesday, coach Fisher was running the Texas high school football chat. And that was just more of a general, it touched on X's and O's. It touched on program building. It touched on cultural things. It it was, it ran the gamut of, of football, um, And it was more than just the state of Texas. What I didn't see was anything related to defensive line play on a consistent basis. And I didn't see a centralized discussion for strength conditioning, particularly at the high school level, right? People were engaging with each other on on random deal. And this all got born for me in in the two chats that I ran, got born out of being, everybody was in the initial lockdowns, um, school was trying to navigate what this virtual learning thing was. So we had a lot more time on our hands. Um, I I was a special education case manager at the time. So I had a very small caseload. So outside of checking all my kids and, you know, just holding virtual office hours for them, I had time to, you know, research and and look at these things and, Mm. I asked these guys, you know, how did you start this? How do you, you know, why do you do this? How do you do it? And from there, I just said, okay, well, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to start these chats. And initially it was, (laughs) we had very, very limited participation. And, and, and even recently we've, we've had some nights where it's like me and two other people, or it's like. Me for 10 minutes answering, in 10, 20 minutes answering my own questions, and I probably look like an idiot. But but ultimately, both of these were born just simply out of an opportunity to seek knowledge, knowing that this I didn't own any of the rights to the knowledge that I was going to seek. Um, I'm asking other people's advice and opinions, and what they choose to share publicly didn't belong to me. It belonged to anybody and everybody that wanted it. So, you know, the disruption chat, defensive line chat was, okay. uh, my buddy Ty Taylor was runs the Keep Your Pads Down podcast where it's, you know, defensive line focused podcast. uh, And those are great. But I wanted to kind of take what he was doing, but also further the discussion. So if there was something that I heard on his podcast, I didn't want to wait for another episode to come out to address it. I wanted to be able to talk about it. And, and the beautiful thing is, this comes out on Monday. And so some of those questions come directly from that podcast episode or a previous podcast episodes. So there's a continued deal or he said, hey, man, um, you know, we talked about this on the podcast, but could you throw these questions out? Because I want to I want to further the discussion on, on these topics. I'm like, heck, yeah, man, like, let's go with it. Um, And then the deal with the iron speed chat was I've always loved the weight room, but I've realized that I want to become more than just a sport coach who is in the weight room. Like, you know, like I said, I'm at a crossroads in my career where I don't know if I still want to continue to just coach defensive line. Do I want to go and try and be a defensive coordinator again? Do I want to go be a head coach? Or I want to just go be a strength conditioning coordinator and have that impact on all programs. Cause that's one of the things that I truly loved about being in Kingsville and having that opportunity was just how many kids that I could affect and to see these kids change physio, you know, physically in their, in their bodies uh, and grow in, in, in strength and power, but as human beings in confidence and, you know, seeing them continue in, in their pursuit of, of iron sports, whether it's powerlifting or Olympic lifting or CrossFit or whatever, it's 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 just awesome. It's great. You know, because when they achieve wins and victories and PRs, you know, again, I, I play a small part of that, but I can I can cheer them along, not just as a cheerleader, but knowing that, you know, I help contribute to that kid's success, whether it's a big or small contribution. So, you know, that was the deal is I wanted to gain knowledge from people that I thought were very intelligent and I, you know, I was taking a risk because I don't have CSCS behind my name. I don't have USAW. I don't have, I don't have those certifications. I'm just, I was just a sport or I'm still just a sport coach. And so would people that are strength conditioning coaches solely, would they be welcoming, you know, basically an outsider and and they have, um, some of the, you know, arguably the brightest currently to do it across the country routinely engage. Even collegiate coaches chime in from time to time, both on the defensive line chat and, and on the Iron Speech chat, and it's it's amazing and it's truly humbling that that they take time to to help because um, that's all that's all we're doing is we're helping each other. We're gave, we're we're discussing ideas. We're we're debunking some some myths out there, and um, ultimately. Both are just quests for knowledge um, and, and on hopefully I, I'm giving somebody a chance to educate themselves further. Um, and like I said earlier, like find the next rabbit hole to travel down, whether it's in regards to strength conditioning or defensive line play, how does that translate to wherever they're at and applying the things that we've talked about?
1: From an outside, I guess from a participant perspective, uh, one, I completely understand what you're saying with the certification thing. You know, I'm in a similar boat. I consider myself well-educated um, and well-read on strength and conditioning. And, and actually, I currently hold the title of head of strength and conditioning at the high school mat. So I'm in charge of the strength and conditioning programming for all sports at the, at the high school. But the first few weeks, I just, the first time I think I saw it was, I don't know, a coach I followed, retweeted and answered it. And then I was, you know, what, what's this? And then, you know, I kept seeing it every Sunday night. And then I was just kind of like an active uh, viewer. And then, you know, after a while, I was like, I'm going to answer a question. I'm going to answer two questions, you know, I'm going to try to answer and You know, and I, and I don't participate as much as some, but I do try to answer anything that I think that I have value to put out there. And that's the wonderful thing about Twitter as a platform is you can do that, you know, and, and you don't know who's going to find value in, in what you say. You know, there's sometimes where I'm like, I, I feel like I you know, imposter syndrome almost where I'm like, I'm a fraud. I don't, I'm not smart. I don't know enough to be putting anything out there, but you know, like last night I had a coaching friend uh, DM me on Twitter. He's like, Hey, What are you doing for your summer training conditioning with your football team? I want, I would love to kind of talk programming and compare notes and like, then pick your brain. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm in a, a position now where people actually seek me out. And it's so cool with, you know, specifically Iron Speech Chat, the one that I follow the most, where I can see the questions you ask and I can answer it, and then I can compare my answers. You know, not copy, but compare my thought process with a Cody Hughes you know, uh, Coach uh, Janovich, Missy, uh, Mitchell McLeod, you know, somebody like that, you know, people that have been doing it a lot longer and have, um, hold those certifications and those titles. And it's, it's incredible. And the fact that it's free, you know, uh, I was on a podcast, a French podcast not that long ago. And, and he asked me at the end, like, what are some resources that you're going to coaches? And I said, Twitter Now, Twitter has a lot of negative impacts and there's not, it's not always great, but one of the, the nice thing about it is it's free and there's, this incredible opportunity for collaboration and you have done an incredible job of facilitating collaboration between defensive line coaches and, you know, and strength and conditioning coaches. So as, as a coach that does both, I, I, I just want to say thank you. And I appreciate it. And I appreciate how much learning I've done just because you decided to ask questions on a Sunday night.
2: Well, I appreciate that, man, because you know, the, exactly what you said, it's crazy to think that you're in a position where someone else actually wants to hear what you're doing whether it's from a defensive standpoint or a strength conditioning standpoint um, and you know there are times where I, I i wonder i'm like is what i'm doing providing value you know because I, I only see the active participation in terms of who's answering and that side of things or who retweets or likes or whatever so i don't see the passive participant right i don't see who's just viewing it but like you said the best thing about it is you can choose to answer or not. And I try for the most part, particularly on the iron speech Chat, to make the questions not so strength coach specific, right? There are just certain things that I want to ask and I, and I want an accredited certified individual to answer. But then there are other things where like coach Schofield says um, on the episode with Cody it is If you've been in the weight room, you're a strength coach. Now, you may not be the head strength coach, but you are involved in the strength training process. And all sport coaches should have some working knowledge of the weight room and of these things. So if I ask a a general enough or a a non-super specific question, it invites somebody else to at least engage with it, whether they read it, they like it, they retweet it, or they answer. And then you can go back, right? And, and you can see previous, uh, you know, I say episodes, but previous days where we've had those chats and and scroll back and, uh, you know, hopefully after I I pass my CSCS at the end of June, get back to compiling all the answers and, and putting them all together. Cause I I typically, well, I say that I've only been doing this for a little over a year now, but I'll I'll pause because in Texas in football season, it's a seven day a week gig, um, and at a 5A high school or any high school, really, for that matter, you know, you, you your goal is to win games. And so it takes it takes a lot of extra time to put in for the game plan on top of your other classroom responsibilities and your other life responsibilities. So, you know, like you, you were talked about on on your episode with Travis Mash, you have to shift certain things around, whether it's your podcast or my podcast or the Twitter chats, um, you know, I've. I've paused chats before and said, hey, you know, well, you know, it was Valentine's Day. Well, you know, I love my wife. We've been married six years. I want to keep her. So, you know, I whether even if we're not doing anything, I want to try and at least be present on that day, or or Mother's Day, or with Memorial Weekend coming up, do I still want to throw it out? I probably will because. I've got questions that I want to ask um, and most everybody's going to be full from eating and drinking and and barbecuing in the pool. So they may want to hang out on the, on Twitter for an hour, Uh, or they can come back later and and respond to it. You know, like Missy will say, Oh, I've got a board meeting. I was like, well, just go respond later. Uh, Her and uh, coach Jankovic and coach Sparkman. Those are, those are some really amazing people that uh, have truly embraced me as a seeker of getting better and the fact that I can just ask them at any moment um, question regarding strength conditioning and then give me an answer and, and that we can have a discussion I don't think that I would thought that, that was possible a year ago
1: it's crazy how much this kind of I don't want to call it a gap year but this year just you know unlike any other what it's really done to facilitate um, growth in in the field and just in our careers, you know, and um, it's also, it's also refreshing, you know, Twitter, like I kind of can be kind of a hostile place, but then, you know, there's other times where you see these, you know, these people that you look up to and how just open they are to sharing and how um, inviting they are. And it's, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to see. Um, and, And it's one of the, one of the many pluses in our field and you know obviously not every coach is like that there are a lot of coaches that you know want to play it close to the to the vest and don't want to share their secrets or anything like that even though nobody's really doing any things revolutionary that somebody else isn't already doing you know yeah uh, man
2: <laughs> or, or or here you know they're all claiming to do new stuff but in reality all that stuff was done you know 40 50 60 years ago and, and they don't want to look at history you know so uh like like um you know the guy that's real popular right now the the knees over toes guy right who does yeah. he t- who does he tell you that he gets a lot of his stuff from charles Poliquin. so that's stuff that's old he's just you know he's just creating a new version not a new version in terms of like new ec- new exercises but he's just recycling and just putting a fresh spin on what was already there and proven to have worked and so now we can digest it in a different form. Uh, but then you have some other people, like you said, that that'll play stuff close to the vest, like, oh, it's just real secretive. And I get it. Like, you know, uh, Missy had the, the region two NHA NHSSCA clinic at her high school. And and uh, Matt Bruce was there and talking about the hatch system and the hatch eight and Olympic lifting. And, but unfortunately what he said was, there's really no true literature on it. You just had to be in there to learn it. And I'm like, crap, man, this was awesome. And I, I, I do have to rag on Missy because there's, there's a picture that she took of him, right? And they say, pictures say a thousand words. And I look at it and go like, oh my God, I look like a, a, a fat slob, but my facial expression and my body language says that I'm not interested in what's going on. And that's such the contrary. Like I, I got to, I got to put that out there and say I was so deeply in, in interested and invested that like I took cues that next that next Monday where the clinic was on Saturday Monday I was already applying cues that I took from that from that one hour lecture to football to my thrower to myself and that that solely has sparked my desire to improve my Olympic lifts. Cause they are terrible. Those are the, those are the worst lifts for me. I, I'm, I was no good as a power lifter in high school. I'm like, I guess slightly above horrible right now. Uh, I would not say average. I, I haven't competed since high school. Uh, I, I think about competing and that kind of drives me a little bit, but I, I've always had bad Olympic lifts. Well, now I'm, I'm invested in getting those better. Part of the reason why I, I have no problem posting my lifts and, and posting my fails is the feedback that I get from highly intelligent people on, on whether it's Twitter or Instagram, because I, I care enough to get that feedback. You know, some people only post the good stuff. The reality is it's not always the good. It's not always good. Not every lift is going to be perfect, um, but you, we can be intentional in what we're doing uh, with our postings uh, in order to seek the necessary information we want.
1: Uh, finishing up, one of the you know the last thing I wanted to touch on. You're a fellow podcast host. You know we're we're colleagues in this this uh, venture here. Like your chats, talk about that. How and why did you start that?
2: Uh, so I'll make it kind of quick. The anniversary episode with uh, it was it's episode 50 with my buddy Chip Burt. The long, deep. Not that it's that deep, but uh, the whole why and how um, of the podcast, uh, is we, we talk about that on the, on that episode, but, uh, you know, the long story short is he convinced me, uh, through a couple of different text exchanges that people cared. I had already started the Twitter chats. People cared enough to what I had to say. He said, I should start a podcast. I said, you're full of it. Nobody gives a damn what I have to say. Nobody wants to listen to me. Uh, 50 plus episodes later, for some reason, people are still listening to me. I think it's simply because I'm—I've been very fortunate to find some amazing guests, uh, and I just ask enough questions, or like you did, you find somebody who rambles enough, and occasionally throws out a decent nugget of information. That—that's the whole deal with it. You know, the deal with with my podcast is, again, it's a quest for information. I've had an episode with my wife on talking about. You know, a coach's wife and perspective from that standpoint. I plan to have my dad on. My dad has never been a coach, outside of a, a little bit and when I was in little league uh, as a terrible little league baseball player. He loves sports. You know, I eventually probably have my sister on, who after little league didn't play any other sports, uh, but she she's grown to to have a, a an understanding and a love of sport. You know, so I don't necessarily intend to shy away from other guests that it would give perspective but at the same time i know my audience is coaches and so you know they want to hear from other coaches and it's going to be a variety it's always been a variety and it'll always be a variety of things basically that are my interests i'll have one of my offensive line coaches on from hendrickson who smokes a lot of meat so we're going to talk about smoking meat and offensive line play and you know who doesn't want to talk about that stuff it's you know, so it's it's just a quest for knowledge. Uh, the title is exactly that. It's Hanging With Me f- for 45 minutes to an hour. Or if you get somebody like Kevin Swift on who talks forever, you have to break it up into two parts. Um, I love you, k Dog, but uh, you talk a lot. The thing I love
1: about it, and, and I, I guess I get, not to compare because yours is a lot better than mine, but one thing I love about your podcast, you know, I found really refreshing. When I decided to start this one, I felt like there were so, not so many, but there were already a, a lot of podcasts that died on X's and you know, and I like to think that coaching is maybe sometimes only 10% X's and O's and 90% just connection. You know, you, and there's there's so many guys out there that are more qualified to talk about strength and conditioning or coaching track and throws or football than I am. You know, look at Cody Hughes. Like, for example, Cody Hughes just started a podcast and Cody's an incredible high school strength coach. He's You know, he's been coaching at a high level for many years now and he's got a great audience and, you know, he's just been, for a very short time, a like, very high quality, really taken off and he really dives in and he touches on some of those X's and O's, but he really, you know, like... His his first episode with um, Coach Basil, Pat Basil, you know, uh, a phenomenal from like logistics about being a strength coach. Um, There were so many good things, practical things to take away. And so I knew that I couldn't necessarily uh, hold my weight in those conversations, uh, especially when I was starting this podcast uh, a year ago. But I, you know, I thought I do have a lot of coaching experience and just experience, you know, I started coaching when I was 18, 19 years old. So, like, well, there's a lot of coaching, just behind the scenes stuff that I know about. And I knew. I wanted to just kind of learn about the people, coaches as people. That's one of the things that I just really love about your podcast is that, yeah, you'll have strength coaches on, but you're talking about them as, as just as a coach and not necessarily like, okay, what's your programming look like? What's your prioritization? You know, and I think that's a lot of the things that we miss on. I also think that that's sometimes the the area of, the, with the most growth potential for
2: people. Yeah, man, you know, and, and you're doing a great job with your podcast. I, I love the the organicness of it. And, and I, I like, I'm, I'm humbled that, that you wanted to have me on. Uh, I'm humbled that you're listening to my podcast and that you think highly of it. Uh, I sincerely appreciate it. And, you know, I, I, I hope that as I continue to do this, and, you know, for you as well, you know, you, we continue to just, we do it because we desire to seek knowledge, um, not so much that we're that we're worried about how many people will listen, but at least we know that at least one person is going to listen and, and gain something from it. Um, you know, when you continue to have the the, the top level guests that you have uh, on your podcast, you know, I, I know that that you're going to continue to do great stuff, man. So I, I look forward to to listening to more episodes in the future. Going back to listening to some of your older stuff, man. And, uh, I, I, just think we, we can all coexist with these different podcasts because even though certain interviews may sound similar, it just depends on the, on the, on that person that day asking the questions and then that person re- and then responding, um, might change it just a little bit and, and create a whole new uh, spin on, on something that they had said previously. And so it's, it's great. I, um, I think you're doing great stuff, man. Well,
1: Coach, I, I thank you for those kind words. Um, uh, and that's I think that was well said. So where can people find Upcast? And then also, where can they find you? And then if you just have any nuggets of advice for coaches out there that you want to end on.
2: So um, I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, I'm on uh, Instagram and Twitter the most at, at CoachNoon45. Uh, noon is in uh, afternoon, so N O O N. It's podcast is hanging with Coach Noonan. That is on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Anchor, wherever else that it publishes to. You know, those are the main ones. The podcast Twitter is at HWCN podcast, and that's really just straight podcast one. Um, so I really only release the, the link to the anchor. Episode on there. I don't do a whole lot extra with that one. Occasionally I'll get on and retweet, but most everything comes from my personal one. Same with, with my personal Instagram versus the, the podcast Instagram, but uh, both of them have a, uh, a link tree uh, deal. So you can find uh, my email, you can find uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, you can find uh, the links to the podcast episodes uh, on there. Uh, you know, it's either way. I don't know a lot about one particular thing, but I know a few things about a lot of different stuff. And at the end of the day, uh, I have no problem telling you, I don't know, but I, I will be happy to help you find the answer to a question. Cause it might be something that I need to understand or learn more about myself. Um, that's one of the biggest advices that I would tell uh, young coaches is it's okay to say, you don't know what's even better is to say, let me help you find that answer Ah, uh, because ultimately it, it will likely result in uh, in in gained wisdom, knowledge for yourself. You know, one of the other things is is be authentic. Uh, kids can smell the BS faster than anything. They're gonna know if you're faking. Um, and I'm not talking about just gritting your teeth and smiling through a tough day. I'm talking about gassing them up, trying to trying to be somebody that you're not. If you're a quiet guy, be a quiet guy. If you're a hype person, be a hype person. But understand that those have uh, ebbs and flows with them. It's who you are on a consistent basis. That's who you need to be uh, day in, day out. The other deal is, uh, and I've learned this too, is make sure that as you're praising, wherever you're doing it, whether it's in the way room, were outside or on the court, you praise louder than you critique Um, Not every kid can handle the butt chewing in front of everybody. Some kids need to have that be done in private or some kids can't have that at all because that's all they ever get at home. So, you know, take time to develop relationships, praise louder than you critique, praise more often than you critique so that you can critique can, you can critique a little bit more and build those relationships because if all you ever do is critique and critique and critique, whether it's constructively or negatively, that's all that kid is ever going to learn from you is, well, I'm never doing anything right in their eyes. Uh, they, they need to know. They need the affirmation, just the same as we as coaches need affirmation from our peers that we are doing stuff right because we have our, our doubts about ourselves. Even the most confident coaches can appear one way on Twitter, but in reality, uh, they're just as insecure about certain things as, as you are. And so having those dialogues is, is great. And never, last thing will be never, uh, never think that you can't learn something from someone younger than you, right? We all know we're going to learn something from somebody older, right? They have more life experience. They've seen through th- stuff, but just because they're younger in age or younger in years, doesn't mean that they don't know something or don't have a perspective on something That can help you. I've I've been very blessed and fortunate to have been around some some coaches that are younger than me, both age wise, and number of years wise, that I've learned from, and sincerely appreciate them. And and, you know, just glad that I was able to to swallow my pride and humble myself to know that uh, I don't know everything. You know, you like I said, you had a Travis Mash on recently, and the fact that Travis Mash. Is pursuing a PhD and will still say, I don't know everything. There's way still more to learn means I have no business saying that I know everything. One, cause I'm not in, I'm not interested in pursuing a PhD. Uh, but two, that guy's been coaching longer than me and has a way greater resume and list of accolades than I could ever amass. And he's still pursuing more knowledge. Uh, it's only, it only behooves me. Uh, to seek out information, whether it's from somebody younger, or somebody older, or somebody even uh, at a small school compared to me at a big school, or vice versa.
1: Well, coach, thank you for your time. Thanks for all the wonderful advice that we just ended on there. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for your, your discussion chats. Again, I encourage all, all the listeners to, you know, if you don't want to answer, but at least go and learn something um, and learn what you know other coaches have to say. And Of course, check out Coach his podcast. There's some great episodes on there. There's some great guests. So, Coach, thanks for all you do, and thanks again for your time.
2: Thank you, man.